SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late night conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. I'd like to welcome our first A-team guest, who is Professor Francois Fenter, who's leading the HIV clinicians and divisional director of Ezincha Fitz University. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Fenter. How are you doing this evening? Good evening, Professor Fenter. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. How are you doing? It's lovely to be with you this evening. I'm very happy to be with you as well. We are talking about a subject I think due to COVID-19 has not been given much attention, but today everywhere, every platform of media, including us here at ACFM, have been giving much attention to um, World AIDS Day and looking at uh, you know, the HIV and AIDS pandemic and the fight that South Africa has put against us. What I'd like to find out from you, Professor Fenter, is what are the strides that we as South Africa have made since democracy and since um, the pandemic HIV um, has been very prevalent in our own country? So I think it's been a mixed bag. The history is... Um not always a happy one. I think we all are aware of the particular Mbeki era and the AIDS nihilism phase. I think, you know, the South African epidemic looked very similar to the American. Oh my goodness, it seems we're having uh, issues with the lines. However, we're going to get that fixed. A-teamers, uh, please do remember that we are speaking right now about SA's, South Africa's efforts to fight HIV and AIDS. And we want to know the historical background and what we should be looking forward to. Because we do know that uh, COVID-19 has been one of the things that we've been concentrating on for the past couple of months. And it's it's correct that we've been doing so, but that does not diminish the plight that we are facing when it comes to HIV and AIDS. So please do weigh in on the conversation as we uh, converse with the Professor Francois Fenter, who's leading HIV clinician and also divisional director of Ezincha Witz University. Please do call in on 011-714-2006. Alternatively, call in on 011-714-4045. You can also SMS us on 41. 391 and SMS is a charge at 150. You can WhatsApp on 0614104107. May I just kindly remind you that those WhatsApps should be kept very short, sweet, and precise. Nothing longer than uh, 50 or 60 minutes long. Professor Fenter, it seems that you are back online with us. I am sorry about that. I'm not sure what happened there. Listen, the network in our country is one of the things that I think we should be <laughs> discussing. <laughs> But I can't discuss that with you, obviously, because you're not one that uh, deals with the uh, service providers for network. But you do deal with uh, the issue of HIV and AIDS in our country. So you were trying to you were starting to explain to us the strides that we have taken as South Africa, as a country, when it comes to uh, fighting HIV and AIDS. So I think just to summarize, we, um, you know, as democracy dawned, we were dealing with an epidemic that was rapidly evolving into the, what we saw in the rest of Africa, very much a heterosexual epidemic that was, which took root in KZN in a way that we'd never seen anywhere else in the world and then rapidly fanned out into the rest of the country. So I often think about um, what would I have done differently if I'd been in Mandela's shoes all those years ago, you know, taking over a country, trying to deal with all the issues that he had to deal with. And then... Um, 
faced with this completely different um, situation. And it was not much. You know, it was incredibly complex, much like COVID was in the first few months. Um, there was a major stumble during the Mbeki era, you know, where, again, it wasn't that it wasn't complex, but I think the lack of engagement with what was... My goodness, and again, we are getting uh, some interruption. It's obviously network issues, and there's nothing much we can do. The time is half past uh, 10, and we'll try and get uh, Professor Francois back on the line, and we'll be talking about South Africa's efforts to fight HIV and AIDS. Let's have the conversation. WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. to midnight. After 10, and this is Late Night Conversations. My name is Patricia Anduli. Uh, A-team is with me, Phineas Ndaba, wearing his warm hat because it's cold in the studio. Um, but he's still looking good, nonetheless. And uh, also, Benzito Ricotto, who's our technical, was our uh, content producer, wearing his red cap, very infamous red cap. And uh, he's got a sweater on. So clearly, guys, it's cold. Get band on the side of the studio. Um, and here I am with all the chills and I've still don't, I don't have a sweater on. Is something wrong with me? Well, no, nothing is wrong with me. I just suppose I'm, uh, I'm warm blooded, extra warm blooded as opposed to the two men that I have to work with. So like, Kodashi, what are you wearing? Um, I wish I could see if she's wearing a sweater or not right now in the newsroom, but unfortunately I can't. Um, we are talking to Professor Francois Fenter, who's a leading HIV clinician and Divisional Director of uh, Izin Javits University. And we are looking at the fight that South Africa has been fighting um, with COVID, with um, HIV and AIDS uh, since uh, our democracy. And Professor Fran- uh, Francois Fenter has been taking us through the um, historical background. I'd like you, A-teamers, to please join in on the conversation and give us your views on 011-714-2006. Professor Fenter, I really do hope that uh, uh, network interruptions and all the rest <laughs> won't be our story for the rest of our interview. But let's try it again. <laughs> we can blame the lightning at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's blame it on the lightning. But I think these service providers of ours in South Africa need to fix up our infrastructure, right? Because I'm sure other Absolutely. first world countries are not experiencing what we experience. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure. I'm on so many webinars these days internationally, and they mm-hmm. in Geneva and Washington seem to have exactly the same problems we do. So I take some consolation from that. Okay, so technology is not only one of those things for us as South Africans, it's one of those things for the rest of the world that we need to take with a pinch of salt. Let's continue with our conversation. Sure. I'm not sure where I got cut off. Um, I'll try and keep my points a little bit shorter this time. So if I do get cut off, we can intervene. Sure, go ahead. So, yeah, I think we've made huge strides. We've seen new infections coming down. We've seen expansion of treatment, of testing, we're seeing people dying much less, getting sick much less, just getting back to their normal lives. Um, so South Africa can take some pride in the fact that its HIV program has done well. It's certainly far from perfect, and there's plenty to do, um, and lots of challenges ahead. But, you know, I'm quite proud of what people have done so far. Well, we can be proud of the individuals, but can we say the same thing about our government and uh, Department of Health? Can we be proud of the strides that have been taken there? 
Some of them we can. So I, I'm a quite a striding critic of the Department of Health. Um, and certainly I think a lot more could have been done and could have been done much more quickly. I think some things have done, we have done well. You know, our testing programs, um, the financing of the program has been fairly without any trouble. We've moved quite quickly forward with the new drug programs. Um, I think we are going to have to be much more nimble, and I think the Department of Health is going to have to be far more nimble. I think we're a million miles away from the Mbeki era where there was just denialism. But, you know, the, the problem we face with HIV is the same problem we face with diabetes, with cancer, with schizophrenia, you know, is that our healthcare delivery system is not great, both in the public and the private sector, needs reforming. So to go to the next level with HIV, we need the whole health system to go to the next level at the same time. And there are lots of exciting things on the landscape, which I'm hoping will come forward, um, extending from how we give services to people all the way to new drugs that are coming. But it is an exciting time in the HIV field. You know, there's lots of innovative thinking and creative thinking going on. Mm, very important uh, for us to, to, to also give credit where credit is due, but also be very um, uh, cognizant of the fact that more can still be done. Now, Professor Fenter, in terms of, you know, the fact that at some point in South Africa, uh, medication for HIV and AIDS was only given for someone who was below a certain CD4 count. I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was around about 200 or 250. That's right. And now it's given to absolutely everyone who is willing to take the medication at no cost from public um, services, from public health services, despite the fact that they are below or or above the the. the the, the threshold in terms of the CD4 count. Is this not one of the things that we should be celebrating immensely? Because these drugs obviously cost our our health department quite a lot. Absolutely. And I think you know, when I first started out in HIV, we'd have that CD4 count threshold of 200, which is very, very low. Um, but the drugs were so toxic in those days and so expensive that we'd wait till the last possible moment to treat people. You know, in the last two years, the drugs have evolved just in the last 15 years. But in the last two years, we now know that if we start, you know, in most cases, we can actually start treatment on the very day you get diagnosed. So we don't even care what you're seeing forecast. It can be one, it can be 800. You just start your therapy there and then in most cases, as long as you're ready mentally to start the drug. And the interesting thing is, we didn't give people enough credit that most people actually are quite ready to start. Um, so those have been some of the big breakthroughs in the last four ones. The drug was much safer. We started to push the people count threshold up, and we're much more aggressive in terms of starting the treatment. And it's paid huge benefits. You know, lots of people are alive, families are stable, people are back in their jobs, playing sports, thanks to these new approaches, which are much more permissive than they were certainly when we started the program in 2004. Now, you know, in hindsight, I mean, as we look at it now, I remember there was a time where we had a Minister of Health, Dr. Manto, uh, uh, Manto and uh, Dr. Manto was, kept on talking about diet and having, you know, your beetroot and your garlic and uh, the likes. And it was, it was frowned upon and laughed upon that this could be one of the things that could aid your white blood cells if you are HIV positive. In hindsight, do you feel that this particular information was critical for South Africans even then, before um, we had the medication readily available? So the problem with what she was promoting um, 
was that she was saying that this was an alternative to antiretrovirals, and that was wrong. You know, I think the issue of diet is, a bit, is going to become a very important one for South Africans. Um, diabetes is a very common killer in this country. Um, that's often related to being overweight. Um, you know, HIV patients often initially need to gain weight quite quickly, so they need to go onto, onto you know, a high-caloric diet. We're not 100% sure what is the healthiest one at the moment. But diet for all of us is important, you know, both as a quality of life thing as well as for a health thing. And try to work that out is going to become more important. One of the weird things your listeners may not know is that the major issue we're grappling with in HIV at the moment, and particularly in South Africa, is obesity in people in ALV. So when I started out in HIV, you know, everyone was a walking skeleton that we're trying to get back on their feet again. And now the bizarre thing is, is this is the major thing we have tackled is the fact that we already, you know, South Africans are already prone to being fat. But we're trying to deal with the fact that once they go onto the ARVs, they seem to supersize very, very quickly. And it's a very complex debate, you know, is about what is the healthiest diet? What's the healthiest weight? Even amongst that, many of the scientists don't um, agree. So very complex health debates are going to be part of our, um, are, are going to be part of the landscape for, for, for doctors and nurses and healthcare practitioners for all of us. I'm getting steadily older. I'm getting steadily heavier. You know, trying to work out what is a healthy diet for me is difficult. Now, I'm a, you know, a researcher and a medical professional in this area. Even I don't have the answers. It takes education to have the answers as well. is a real challenge. Now, in terms of research, it seems like more research will need to be made to see if there's a correlation between the current drugs used for HIV and AIDS patients and the obesity, because you obviously don't want to, um, you know, uh, dampen the effects of HIV and AIDS and then heighten the effects of obesity that can lead to diabetes and other communicable diseases. Absolutely. I mean, we always joke about how we turn Africans into Americans, um, that we're trading one epidemic for another epidemic. The, thing, the, the complexity we have is that some of the stuff we've always assumed about obesity, that's simply bad for you. There's quite a lot. There's an amazing study that came out with Rina Tell just a few weeks ago demonstrating that people that I was always taught as a baby medical student, you know, that people are overweight or obese or very fat actually had lower death rates than people with normal weight, what I was taught was a normal weight or good weight at medical school. So, yeah, a lot of the current dogma is being challenged around weight gain and everything else. But for us, you know, my major role is developing new drugs, safer drugs, cheaper drugs, new drugs for people to take. At the moment, we've got you know, all our the drugs are in one little tablet that you take once a day. Um, and for us, worrying about weight is probably the number one issue that we're dealing with. But coupled with that, that maybe your listeners would find exciting, we're starting to look at drugs where we can get these as an injection for both treatment and for HIV prevention once every few months. So very similar to contraception in many days, where rather than having to swallow a tablet every day, you can just have an injection every few months. And the Holy Grail, which is now being developed um, by one of the companies, is an implant, very similar to the contraceptive implant, where instead of taking a tablet every day, you'll probably get this little implant underneath your armpit once every year. And I think in the next 10 years, we're going to see this evolution of treatment where, you know, people with HIV is going to become less and less of a reminder every day when they're taking a tablet. 
And there's challenges with this, you know, in terms of safety, in terms of cost, in terms of people remembering coming with their injections and the implants. But we really are making massive strides when we need to do that. When I look at other diseases, you know, diabetes and that, and I look at how quickly we've moved in HIV, it really is an embarrassment of riches. You know, we've gone from multiple drugs you need to take two or three times a day that are very toxic. The situation now with the current tablet that we're looking at is being smaller and smaller and safer and safer, and now we're going to stop needing to inject it. It really is incredibly exciting. And not just for people, but for prevention. So if you're in a high-risk situation, you're in a phase of your life where you have multiple partners or, you know, you're part of a risk group, you're a sex worker, whatever, you know, you can get, you can down take a tablet that's highly, highly effective, a bit like malaria prophylaxis against HIV, or you can get a shot every two or three months. Um, and South Africa has been at the epicenter of this research, and all of my colleagues who I'm tremendously proud of you know, in the South African arena have spearheaded this stuff, and it's are slowly but steadily transforming the, the, the landscape around HIV. We are talking uh, to Professor Francois Fenter, who's a leading HIV clinician and divisional director of Ezincha uh, Wits University. A team, as I'd like to remind you, that uh, we are talking about a very serious uh, issue. It, this is not an issue to joke about. This is not an issue to to feel like it's, it's it's a frivolous issue. This is an issue that has gripped the entire continent of Africa, South Africa as a country, and the entire globe. And we are talking about HIV and AIDS. And I do understand that there is uh, one of our A-teamers who felt that uh, the referencing of the late um, Minister of Health, Umandu, um, who mentioned beetroot and garlic and what we need to be eating, uh, felt that this could be a joke. We are not joking. This is something that happened in our country. This is one of the things that we need to take cognizant of so that as we look in hindsight, years later, what should we be taking as key learning? What should we be doing as South Africans moving forward in the fight for, towards um, HIV and AIDS? Because this is one of those pandemics that is not leaving us anytime soon, but it is our behavior and our actions that can change. So educating ourselves is very important. If you'd like to weigh in on this conversation constructively, you may do so on 011 Alternatively, 011-714-4045. We are also available on SMS on 41391. SMS is charged at 150. If you'd like to WhatsApp us, it's on 0614-104-107. And on social media platforms, I've asked a question here, and we have asked you, as South Africa, all right, do you feel that enough has been done to fight against HIV and AIDS from a government's point of view. Please come in and weigh in on this particular uh, poll that we've put on Twitter at SFM Radio at Patricia N. Dooley. Currently, where the poll sits at uh, Professor Fenter is that uh, 72.7% of South Africans on Twitter say no, not enough has been done uh, by our government. And uh, 27.3% say yes, enough has been done. Now, I'd like us to look at the, the, the fight against HIV and AIDS being politicized in South Africa. Do you feel that this is one of those um, diseases or pandemics that were politicized in order for us to get to where we are today? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm quite critical of all the major political parties who I think have, you know, here, there and everywhere in terms of the responses. You know, I think that we've seen 
politicians get their feet in their mouths repeatedly over the years. And it's a pity because, you know, as I said, Kalashka is one of the best scientists in the world they can lean on in terms of advising them. But, you know, and I, I, I hear that 70-odd percent of people think government hasn't done enough. Um, it's quite easy retrospectively to be critical of almost everything, I guess. I certainly don't think they did enough. I think that, you know, the Mbeki era, Mansur Shabalala, Mitsumang era was terrible. Several hundred thousand people died during that period unnecessarily. And that's a conservative figure. Um, but in the later years, I do think that there, was, there should be more critical approaches to, to, to things like drug supply, like making sure the clinics were friendlier, that they were providing more seamless services, that there was more fair services done. So there's plenty of things they should have done better. Um, having said that, as I said, you know, we, we have made strides forward. So I, I want to give credit where it's due, but not only critical credit credits. And, um, yeah, there was plenty of things that could have been done better. So I agree with your 70%. I tend to not agree with your 23% that said, no, we do as much as we can. I'd, I'd be surprised if we could apply that to anything, whether it's housing, employment, or the HIV epidemic. That everything that could have been done has been done. I could be the most perfect government that could claim that. So clearly, at, at, at some point, we are being extremely... Uh, critical when it comes to our government, when it comes to HIV and AIDS, um, without giving credit where credit is due. The fact that so much is being spent um, in our healthcare system to ensure that free medication is available to all South Africans who need it. Yeah, I mean, you can walk into any clinic in South Africa at the moment and pretty much walk out with world-class drugs. Um, you can get world-class laboratory monitoring and getting world-class algorithms that, that guide you. So I'm pretty proud of that. You know, I think that we've done well. There's lots of things we need to be tackling. We need to understand why some people are not coming forward, particularly men. Um, why are young people coming in quite late? You know, um, why are we still running out of in this place in the country? Um, lots of things that we need to look at and to improve on. Why are people still not testing? You know, most people are testing, but a chunk of people are not. What's going on there? Is it fear? Is it the service isn't friendly enough? Um, you know, is there stigma still going on? There's tons of work to be done. And we still have a large number of new infections every single day. So this thing is not going away. It's still a massive challenge to our country. We've made progress. You know, just, as I said, you know, the number of new infections has come down. But it's still at a very, very high rate. There are lots to do. And people like me and my colleagues and you know, people in the Department of Health get up every morning and and you have to think about that, is that you don't get to Western laurels. And I think the Department of Health is never going to be allowed to sit in its laurels because there are so many other health challenges to be, to be tackled. HIV is only one of them, but it's one of the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. On uh, Twitter here, I see Silo Shorty Senyolo says, I think we can win the battle against HIV and AIDS pandemic only if health officials in our public hospitals and clinics are not victimizing and stigmatizing patients who are taking treatment. Let's go to our A-teamers who are on the line. I'm going to start with uh, Sakile in Durban. Good evening, Sakile. How are you doing? Yes, uh, hello, Patricia, and your guest. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear, Sakile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, wanted to to say that with the medication, uh, I think even in the remote, most remote part of the country, it's, it's readily available. Even in 
in the associated medication of the disease with um, post-exposure prophylaxis. You know, even in the most remote part of the country, it's available. But the thing is, you see, the stigma and the support, I, I think we haven't done enough on that one. Mm. I think it has been a dismal failure for me because, you know, things have, things have changed from the times of Kukuzamini, uh, but they haven't changed really. I mean, but the, even the people who are supposed to know better, you know, the healthcare workers, they don't know better. I mean, it's the comments and and uh, and the support as well. It has to consider now because we live in an age of of social media. You know, when someone discloses on social media, there must be a way in which the people who are providing support and um, have a way of dealing with that because. Even though the the psyche of the people can change in in person, but behind the social media, people can say very, very, very painful things. Thank you, um, Patricia. Thank you very much, Sakile. Let's go to KGM. KGM, good evening. Good evening, Pat. Good evening to your guests and and to the listeners. Um, Pat, let let me say. Uh, some few unpalatable things that will make me a bit unpopular um, and maybe to be resented a bit. Uh, one is I'm not getting paid to say what I'm going to say. I'm as genuine as genuine can be. Um, there are certain things that we ignore to our own detriment as, as a people, particularly as Africans. The, the people like your your guest, uh, people in the know, apparently, of pandemics like HIV, AIDS, um, tend to indoctrinate us and make us forget very important issues. Here's one issue. I would like to, to get his comment on this. Is HIV and AIDS similar everywhere in the world? In other words, the type, the kind of the pandemic or the disease is it the same everywhere in the world and let me warn your guest in advance i stayed for a bit in 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 europe and i managed to to learn quite a bit of of the differences between uh, diseases as it were so when he responds he should have that at the back of his mind secondly most of these so-called diseases they are to me to my little knowledge commercial diseases, if you like. Um, Patricia, what do you call HIV or AIDS in your language? Do you know? You created created that, isn't it? Mm, mm. Yes. The point that I'm making is if it's not if it's not explainable and we do not have a name for it, we are forced, systematically so, to create a name so that we, we acclimatize ourselves with it. If you remember, the stigma that I would address that I'm, I'm your, your first caller talked to, that stigma is by design. The issue of the, the, the health workers themselves uh, not being up to scratch, the system itself not being up to scratch. My parting shot, if you remember there was a, 
an ailment disease pandemic called Ebola not so long ago. Prior to Ebola, there are many that came. There's also leprosy. I don't know if you remember leprosy. It even went as far as back in the Bible. Now, the point is this. If it doesn't affect the peoples from across the oceans more, if it affects Africans more, it gets prolonged. If it affects the peoples from across the oceans more, it finds cure within a very short space of time. But as Africans, I'm, I'm going to go back to our, our topic again and say we have solutions. They are not taken seriously. We're not taken seriously. I, I know people that had HIV AIDS that were healed, cured, whatever you want to call it. They came with results that said HIV positive, got medicated uh, so-called traditionally with, with our herbs and then went to do tests, test comes back and say negative. Now, KGM, okay, KGM, yes. with, with regards to your statement when you say with our herbs, what are these our herbs? Where are they found? Because I need you to please qualify it for listeners who might not know um, your point of view, where you are talking from. Well, I, I, I am a, a Mosaro, a Bushman. We, we use herbs, natural herbs for different diseases. You can call them with uh, their names. Some of them, we do not have them in our own language. But the minute we, we get to, to realize what they do to our bodies, we always have a solution. So uh, let, let, let your guest or anybody take me up for a challenge. I will, I will take you through. You will see for yourself. But the media does not want to expose these things because they come from us. We will be told once again, Patricia, it, it, they must be scientifically proven. The, 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 the science will come into it, which the science, like I explained the last time, is just knowledge. So sometimes when you bring people like this on air, bring one of us or some of us so that we can, we can also have that tit for tat. It's about time that we stop being apologetic about our, our, our own resources as Africans and, and always give this preference to these westernized, commercialized, capitalist uh, uh, structures, that, mm. that whether, whether it's disease or anything. I don't want to go long, but I'm saying as much as I hear what your, 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 your guest says and the narrative that has been created, the point is we can have, our, in fact, not we can have, we have our own solutions. Let's give them a chance the same way that we've given. It's been 20 or so years now with HIV AIDS. Can we imagine if our own herbs were given that enough chance and support, how far we would have gone? Probably we would have finished this HIV and AIDS. I know it doesn't make sense to other people and I don't mind being vilified, but this is a point that I stand on. You know what, KGM, I, I hear your point and I still am waiting for my invitation because possibly you and I on our trip with uh, the rest of the A-teamers on this side will be able to document some of this information and bring it forth. And I do remember when we had the conversation around um, traditional and herbal indigenous, indigenous medication that th th there was a correlation that we wanted to find. Um, and, 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 and it is good to know that HIV it has a potential cure 
via our traditional medicines. And you know, personally on my, on my own personal account, I would, I would root for that. But right now, um, Western medication and our modern living is not really advocating for anything that has not been proven. But thank you very much, KGM. And please do, please do send that invite to me with the itinerary because I do want to come and see all this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak. I'll speak to your, your producer, and then uh, we'll, we'll take it. Hey, it's been a year. It, 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 it's about time that we we, we, we implement this. Eh? It's been a year. I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Patient, thanks a lot, sir. and thank you again. Thank yes. you very much. Uh, before I, uh, oh, okay. So we've got Nonde. What I'm going to do? I'm going to ask Nonde to hold on the line. Let me allow Professor uh, Francois Fenter to respond to Sakile and to. Um, to uh, KGM's uh, comments and questions. And then after that, we'll go to the news with Zolaka Kodashi. After the news, we'll come back with Nonde before we wrap up this conversation, if that's okay with you, Professor Fenter. That's fine. I, I think for KGM raised lots of important points. And I, uh, I think he's homogenizing a little bit. Um, it's important that HIV is not an African epidemic. It's a Southern African epidemic. There are huge chunks of Africa which have got almost no HIV. In fact, lower HIV than chunks of Europe or America. But it does raise issues. Why is it so bad in some places in Africa, so much worse so in other parts of the world? And it is one area where I think the scientists haven't been able to explain it adequately. There's, why does a young woman in KwaZulu-Natal have three, 4,000 times greater chance of having HIV than somebody in Delhi or Melbourne or Washington or where, wherever? You know, and I think those questions are important scientific questions that we need to address. These questions about traditional medicines and Western medicine and all the rest, I think also simplifies things a little bit. My role, you know, I do new drug discovery, but I have to fight a whole range of competing voices in the Western medicine, the traditional medicine. You just have to walk into the front foyer of any pharmacy in South Africa to see what's being fought there. You can buy almost anything off the shelf before you get to the back of the pharmacy um, of people making wild claims of new stuff. And what I would say to um, to, uh, to him and say, how do I know as a consumer that I'm getting what I'm getting? That's not. He might be completely right. He might be have years and years of experience with the herbs, or he could be a charlatan who just yesterday woke up and decided to get switch. How do we, as a society, say that what we're being told is correct? And how do we evaluate that? And it's not just for the traditional healers. It's the same thing for the homeopaths. It's the same thing for the people selling vitamins, it's the same people in my field who are flogging you know, drugs that make lots and lots of money. So it's a, it's a difficult societal issue that is more than just simply traditional medicine versus everybody else. Professor um, Fenter, um, can I ask you to hold that thought? It's already a minute past 11. And after the news with Zulega Kodasha, we'll come back to you. Let's go off to the news. Zulega, good evening. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Thank you very much, Zolega Kodashe, uh, for the final news bulletin on this first day of the month of December. And yes... 
the uh, reminder from you, Zulega, is really appreciated. The fact that we need to make sure that we stay safe during this festive season because we don't want to increase the already aspiring numbers of COVID-19 infections in South Africa and the deaths. So let's keep our social distancing. Let's wash our hands and sanitize and wear our masks. The time is eight minutes after 11. We are together until midnight. This is Late Night Conversations on SAFM 104 to 107. And my name is Patricia Nduli. I'd like to thank Professor Franz Offenter for staying with us uh, for uh, an extended period. Thank you very much, Professor. Professor Francois, are you there? Professor Fenter? Professor Fenter, are you on the line? Okay, it seems that we're having a bit of a challenge with Professor, but uh, Benzito is going to try and get hold of him so we can continue with the conversation. What we are doing today is that we are talking about um, the efforts for South Africa or of South Africa to fight against HIV and AIDS. And we are currently talking to Professor Francois Fenter. And after this, we're going to be talking to traditional healers' perspective when it comes to COVID, uh, when it comes to HIV and AIDS and uh, fighting against this particular pandemic. And we'll be speaking to Makosi Abraham Mguni, who's the director of Positive Flames South Africa. A team is a number that you can dial is 011-714-4045, or you can dial 011-714-2006 so that you can weigh in on this conversation. Prof, thank you very much for staying with us. No problem. Sorry, I lost you there. No problem. It's one of those things with the network. We've been experiencing since we start. Let's uh, go to Ngonde, who's been waiting uh, patiently on the line. Ngonde, good evening. Good evening to you. Good evening, Bob Ngonde. Unjani? Mamekhandi kona, manutukumkudu. Amen, amen. But let me get down to it. Um, just a disclaimer here. Um, KGM must not be apologetic. KGM is an African, okay? And he would understand the pain felt by Africans. He does not need to go to school to understand it, right? So what is God, the Maswaras, whatever, that in terms of the indigenous knowledge system, they've got a chore for this. He must not be apologetic. In fact, I've got... Um, a writer for him, right? He knows it. It's not a leisure trip for me, right? I want him to contact the Mosara elder. Are you still there? No wonder we can hear you. I think it's Professor who's I'm lost there. on the line. Continue. Yeah, I'm Patricia, um, I, I don't want to go with him to Kalahari. All right. I have reminded him to speak to, to the elders for my... Um, stroke right mm-hmm. so once that is sorted out i will go on air you know to safm and say i've been told by the Bosaras. okay that he knows now back to this um, question but if i recall in the 1980s right i know that you were not born there was a guy in america called major johnson right he was a basketball player it was in the 80s but that was diagnosed with AIDS, right? In fact, when I was in America during that time, um, they, they didn't call um, the thing condom. They used to call condom a protection, right? Um, there was this case, did you have protection when you're using sex? Anyway, 
it appeared to me that they were aware, although maybe I wasn't, but they were aware that there's something there. But Patricia, let me tell you something, that KGM hinted at this. Patricia, I of the view that AIDS follow a racial line. Let me explain this. The African-Americans in America comprised of 13%, right? And if my math is anything to go by, at 320 million citizens there, they would comprise 41 million, right? If we call the Hispanics, maybe the number goes up. The thing is, Patricia, I am not sure, right, about this thing. Because if I recall me, the speed, the agency, you know, that the investments have been crowded in to, to find a cure for COVID. It's amazing, you know. This thing has been in China since January, you know, in Wuhan. But the speed, Patricia, I mean, it is unprecedented, you know, that the vaccine, you know, is close to being found, 94%, 95%. But I'm questioning why must it be approved by FDA, Food and Drug Administration, right? But in Russia and China, I don't hear their scientists saying it must be approved by FDA, right? If it will be the FDA of Russia, the FDA of China, right? So, Patricia, it appears to me that the Africans must be on their own, right? As people once said, it, it appears to me that Africans in the diaspora Caribbean and whatever, must find a cure for AIDS. Right? Thank you very much, Nonde. I think let's leave but, it at that. And I do appreciate the fact that you're saying we as Africans or indigenous people in our various areas need to find the cure. Thank you, Nonde. Me, uh, KGM is, mis- is misleading us. He said that he, it has not affect or infect the rest and the the uh, solutions if, if it, well, well, how do you test in in his way or what i'm not going to say it's an african way in his way that you because hiv eight and because it doesn't have a name what are his diagnoses that what sickness does the person have and and you ask him what him what are those remedies? Misleading us. He must not come on national radio and misleading people. Because he must say one plus one four to two. You see, the myth of this, there's nothing called an African culture. There's Amazon culture, Besutu culture, whatever. But there's nothing called an African, anyway, an African spirit. Which spirit is that? When which language? And what, if it's not HIV, what, what is the name? Because you said you told him that it's, it's not us, but now he's he, he trying to it's Western, Western. I he's zooming with the zoomers. Well, uh, Prof, I think I'd like you to please weigh in on uh, on those comments there, and also our A-teamers who just sent a message. I've disconnected several times while listening, so I might have missed some of the nuance. Um, I think the society we need to say is how do we. My goodness. Okay. So Prof's line is really, really um, battling with us, but we'll try him again. Uh, let's go to Bronwyn. Bronwyn, good evening. Good evening. 
Um, I run an organization that looks after badly burned children, and some of them are also HIV positive. And I wanted to comment on some good things and bad things. That at Charlotte McKeke Hospital, um, the, um, the HIV team there, they are just brilliant, and they are so compassionate to the children that they are, are helping to try and give them the longest, best quality life they can. But our other experience is with social workers who sometimes remove children from homes and they don't ask the basic question, are they on ARVs? And we had one just just about three or four weeks ago where the child was left with for two and a half days with no medicine at all because the social workers never asked that basic question. So I think there's a lot of ignorance still um, among people you would expect to be professionals in South Africa. Brandon, I want to ask you a question here. Do you feel it's ignorance or it's not within their training? Because we also need to be sensitive of the fact that a social worker is not uh, a nurse, it's not a doctor, it's not a pharmacist. So is it part of their training that they should be asking the questions around HIV and AIDS? And are people open to talking to a social worker who would never administer this sort of medication to them in any case? I I think, you know, for any educated person, at at a minimum, if they're working in a field where they're going to remove someone from their normal home and take them somewhere else, they must ask, are they on any medicine? I mean, that's a fairly basic question. And if that medicine happens to be as crucial as ARVs, because if, if children miss their doses, they may have to get moved onto a different sort of ARV, and, and that will have a direct effect on how long they live. Mm. Thank you very much, Bronwyn, uh, for giving us your observation. Um, p- perhaps uh, because you deal with children who uh, have burn issues, uh, could you share with us maybe your your website, uh, if anyone who's listening might be in need of your services? Indeed. It's, it's, it's not particularly up to date, but they'll find our contact details. It's www.firechildren.org. Excellent. Thank you very much. I actually know about your organization. Thank you, Bronwyn. Let's allow uh, Professor Francois Fenter to uh, wrap up for us. Professor, I know your line has been really, really letting us down, but it's not your fault. I think it's the weather outside. But as we wrap up just in general about the efforts that South Africa has made around fighting HIV and AIDS. So just um, a soundbite is that we've made great progress. There's still plenty to do. Um, there are lots of people to be brought in, lots of therapies to try. Um, yeah, the country, it's still a major uh, challenge for this country. And post-COVID, it's still a major uh, challenge, specifically because a lot of the services have broken down in the last year just simply because of the lockdown. Mm. So we've got a lot of repair work to do, but also just we need to improve what we're providing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And is it the onus, is it on uh, government or is it on government and us ordinary citizens? Everybody. You know, mm. I think that government obviously has the resources and the power, so they do carry a huge responsibility. But honestly, I think that everyone needs to get tested at the very least, know what their status is on a regular basis. And if they are positive, they need to get care. And if they're negative and in a high-risk situation, there are lots of options available to them. Excellent. Thank you so very much, Professor uh, Francois Fenter, for your wealth of knowledge and just sharing your time with us this evening. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry about the networks. Ah, not your fault. <laughs> it's something that we all live with as South Africans. Have a good evening. Take care.
The time now is uh, 19 minutes after 11. We are still together talking um, World AIDS Day and we are going to be talking about the fight against HIV uh, from a traditional health perspective. And I know KGM and Nwande and a lot of traditional people are going to be very excited to hear from uh Makosi Abraham Mguni, who's the director of Positive Flames South Africa. We'll be back with him after this. This is SAFM Late Night Conversations. My name is Patricia Nduli, and uh, you can uh, dial in on 011-714-2006, alternatively 011-714-4045. You can also WhatsApp on 0614-104-107.